this episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Special thanks to new patrons Nick Wolfstumpf and Chad Stice, and longtime supporters like Amy Swan and Greg and Pearl Morgan. Stick around for an extended shout-out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and I'd like to welcome you all to this emergency town meeting and politely inform you that I will be scraping my nails on a chalkboard for the entirety of this episode, and I hope that's not a problem. Oh. A little ASMR for you, right? <laughs> well, but that's not the movie we're talking about. It's close. Unfortunately, it's not. We've already talked about oh. it. Oh, folks, we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. And today, because it is that time of year, sun, fun, beach, and shark attacks, we are tackling not one, but two, but three sequels to a movie that I think is darn near perfect. We are talking about the Jaws sequels, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, and even Jaws the Revenge. So, in order to do this, we called in a friend that is a Jaws super fan and a person whose name has become an honored verb, not only at LOTC, but at horror podcasts everywhere. Mr. Greg Bench, welcome back, buddy. All right, I'm glad to be here. Yep, Jaws, Jaws, and more Jaws is what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> Lots of Jaws, that's right. Everything but Landshark from SNL. But uh, let's jump right into Jaws 2 from 1978. The IMDb synopsis reads, Police Chief Brody must protect the citizens of Amity after a second monstrous shark begins terrorizing the waters. So, Greg, when did you first see Jaws 2? Oh, I, I can't. I, I probably wouldn't be able to place a year, but early, early in life, probably early to mid 80s, because, um, you know, b- being a kid that enjoyed cable and loving the first Jaws, um, the, the second one kind of just flew, fl- flowed right into in, into my wheelhouse. And uh, the the thing that I always remembered for years and mistake was the ending, which I don't want to spoil right this second, but with the ending, because I always forgot, like, was that in three or was that in two? And so once you figure out what's what, you know, what's what, it's, it's, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Jackson, when did you first see Jaws 2? Well, this has actually been, I know I sounded pretty negative in the intro, but this has actually been a favorite of mine for a long time. I watched this one probably, you know, around the same time I watched the first one. This, we had this on DVD in my grandma's van every time we would drive to the beach. Yeah. So I'd be watching Jaws 2 instead of Jaws on the way to the beach. Um, so I'm almost as acquainted with this movie as I am with the original. But uh, yeah, I, I, I have always really liked it. Um, and you know, when you're a kid, you get bored by movies easily. And that the, the, the like half an hour climax of this movie, the, the final action scene is kind of like, it's pretty convoluted. <laughs> like it goes on for forever. I can remember being bored uh, with that as a kid, but I still enjoy it. Um, looking forward to going over some of the weirder parts of this movie, because I do have a full <laughs> page of notes on this one movie. Wow. Um, so yeah, this will be a blast. Yeah. I saw this on TV. Um, on like a movie of the week, which probably been around 1979 or 80, when I was seven or eight. Um, and I may have actually seen this one before the original, I think. Um, I can't remember, but let's talk about the plot. The plot is pretty much as IMDb describes it. We do get Carl Gottlieb back as one of the screenwriters. You know, he co-wrote the original, and he comes back as at least a script doctor for the dialogue. 
And we have another great white off of Amity Shores. And the mayor, played brilliantly again, in my opinion, by Murray Hamilton, is reluctant to acknowledge the obvious. And then we had teenagers doing their ocean version of cruising. And maybe that is why Jordan Peele called this a slasher movie, a shark slasher, a slasher, you know, like the Terminator. So <laughs> with a, there you go, Jay and Greg, uh, with a shark as a slasher, thoughts on the plot of Jaws 2, Greg? I mean, I know they wanted to go in many, there were lots of ideas of where to take this. Do you like where they took the sequel? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I, I enjoyed the um, the story. Um, obviously, n- never having to to dive into some of the behind the scenes type stuff before <laughs> being asked to be on the podcast. It was interesting to hear some of the different routes. Um, you know, like if they could bring back Hooper and if the sheriff wouldn't have come back, and you know, just different things and. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that it's it, it went well. And for 1978, surprising that, you know, it did mesh so well with that slosher trope. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Jackson, what do you think? What do you think of the plot? And is Jordan Peele onto something? Is this a shark slasher? Yes, absolutely. That's actually one of the first notes I have, is that it definitely gives off more of a slasher vibe. I don't know if I'd call it a straight-up slasher, um, because that, that long, like the last, the last act of this movie is very, it's like water world, you know, it's not very flashery, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like th- even from the opening credits, first of all, I love the score in this one again, done by John Williams. It's mostly yeah. just like readapted, you know, stuff in the first one, but there are some original, uh, motifs in it. But I mean, every time I start the movie, I assume it's going to be like the same as the first one with the opening credits. It's kind of like abstract ocean footage, but we get a kill right off the bat. It's like in the water, that POV is actually leading to something. Um, so I love that. You got that dreamy music scoring it, like as the scuba divers uh, explore mm-hmm. Quint's ship, which kind of reminds me of Creature from the Black Lagoon. It feels yeah. like because it's got that like real like dreamy orchestral score. Um, but uh, definitely, definitely giving me slasher vibes because um, we have this big teenage cast that we don't really have in the first one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, and it's got that same sort of thing where, you know, Brody is like this, this final girl that no matter what, nobody will believe him, even though, <laughs> you know, this happened <laughs> two years ago and it's happening again and nobody believes them. But I mean, t- t- to, you know, to their defense, a explosion of ship exploding is usually not what people think of when they think of a shark, shark attack. So it probably seems a little crazy. Um, but uh, I know, Dad, oh. you relate to Brody in this movie because he's afraid to even get in his ankles up to the water to get that uh, that piece of wood. Darn Skippy! But yeah, <laughs> I mean, Brody's got a yeah, he's got a brain on him. You don't go in the ocean, folks. But I, you know, like to go back to the slasher thing. I mean, think about like when Brody sees the piece of wood in the ocean, and he goes mm-hmm. out and he grabs it, and what pops out at him? A body. Where do we right. see that all the time? Yeah, it's exactly it's like a body falling out of a closet in Friday the 13th right. or something like that. <laughs> it, that is a really weird jump scare, though, isn't it? Like, how did he not see that corpse coming up over the wave? I don't, know, I don't know. But, it. hey, I liked it. I, it works. But it's, you know, I, I yeah, there is definitely, you know, a slasher vibe here. I think Jordan Peele was on to something. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a slasher. And I understand why Greg Amortis doesn't want to call the Terminator a slasher too. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm just, but I think Jordan Peele has a point 
in that you have what do you have? You have teens in in dire straits, right, with no parental help around, right? Which is a that's a trope of the slashers. We get that especially out near Cable Junction, and so we get that. A shark just seemingly pops out of nowhere and, you know, picks, you know, one off here and all the other kind of stuff. You have a child in danger. So I, I can see where where Peel was coming from. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's a slasher, but I understand why he called it a shark slasher. Does that make sense to you, Greg? I mean. Oh, yeah. And and like you guys were pointing out with that, even with the opening scene, uh, it does have some real quick cuts, mm-hmm. uh, editing cuts. As right. as the shark is attacking them, and it it does have that kind of similar feel to uh, a, a wild maniac attack, um, but yeah, like you say, the kids are in peril. They're out having fun. They're not obeying their parents. Right. They're not following the rules, which is going to get them killed. So. I still not clear why, and maybe Greg, you can clear this up or Jackson. Why did they decide to go past the lighthouse? I mean, that that's like, you know, I mean, (laughs) I I live on the river, Greg, you live fairly close to a large body of water, an hour or two away from a large body of water. I mean, 15 (laughs) minutes. Okay. There you go. So it's like, yeah, if you're a teenager, you've got a beach, you got a lighthouse and that one guy in the bar the night before he's got a case of beer. What else do you need? Where else you going, man? So like a slasher, they're making stupid decisions, right? They're just going deeper into the woods. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. This this movie's version of the car won't start is, oops, I ran my boat into your boat. That's the, the, they they can't do that, that cliche. So they just have to make them. And they are, I mean, surprisingly, these kids are pretty adept sailors, I would say, even though they make some stupid decisions. I mean, I would not be able to like circumnavigate the way that they do. Um, But uh, I mean, I guess that's what you get growing up on an island. But man, yeah, it is a really weird setting that they're just so comfortable out in the deep sea. (laughs) Like, that's not the part they're worried about. The part they're worried about is the shark. And I get that. But I would also be worried about, you know, getting lost forever because they're like this. There's this one island and then 500 miles of Atlantic Ocean. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's like terror. That's like cosmic horror right there. Yeah, exactly. It's just there. You've got dumb teenagers. You've got the shark. I don't want to press this too far. I just think it's interesting, and you know that 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 we have this. And of course, the slasher boom hadn't started yet, so we can't say that it was necessarily, you know, inspired by that. And we do have to mention that, like, you know, this was like the original, a very troubled production. <laughs> Um, Greg, I know you saw so you said you saw some of the backstory. I mean, they first of all, they couldn't decide where to go with it. That it was like after opening weekend Universal, they wanted a sequel, but then they had all these pitches. Well, let's go back and do the prequel, let's do the USS Indianapolis. No, let's do a sequel where we're where we've got Quint and Brody's sons hunting the shark. No, let's go this way. No, let's go that way. And they actually shot for what was it like three? weeks and they shut down fired the director mm-hmm. and they bring in this guy known primarily for tv directing it's you know no matter what you think of jaws 2 out there greg i'm amazed this thing came together as well as it did given the chaos behind it right oh yeah i i fully support that statement because um 
by if you looked at it on paper, you'd be like, there'd be no way that this was a success. And this was a actually a fairly good success and was the yeah. number one sequel uh, until Rocky two took over. And and a thing I didn't know about it was that this was the first American movie, U.S. made movie that used the number two in its title to signify yeah, a sequel. I mean, yeah, That's I mean, just were- crazy. It, right. I mean, there was the Godfather part two, but it used the Roman numerals. This was the first mm-hmm. time an actual two and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's we're so used to it now, you know, and, and Jackson, of course, you just grew up with it. But, you know, in the 70s there, you know, the sequels were few and far between and people just didn't think about that. And I, I've got a question for you, Jackson, as a filmmaker, as a future filmmaker, as an aspiring filmmaker. Mm. And Greg, I'd like you to chime in on this, too. Would you rather go back to the spirit of the 70s where they weren't so sequel crazy? Or, you know, are, are you in the Martin Scorsese camp? It's like, oh, we get our Marvel movies and they're not even movies. They're, you know, they're theme park rides. And do, Would you rather go back to like that 70s vibe or are you OK with what's going on? It's it's tricky. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and. In one, uh, there's one half of my mind that's like, you know, Scorsese is right to be pessimistic. Everything's a reboot or a, a uh, an adaptation of a comic book with, you know, flashy three hour long action scenes. But another part of me likes those kinds of movies. I mean, even James yeah. Bond movies these days are that, right? They used to be these these classy kind of, well, maybe not classy, but uh, jazzy <laughs> sort of thrillers. I, I and, would say that the ones in the 60s were were classy. And Greg sure. is the resident James Bond <laughs> expert here. So I would say, no, wouldn't you say that? The, this, I mean, yeah, in the 70s, things got kind of cheesy with James Bond. Wouldn't you agree, Greg Bench? But I mean, in the 60s, oh, it sure. was more classy, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It was setting the stage for what spy movies were to be and what they ultimately became. And, you know, as times changed, they had to keep fresh with James Bond. So, of course, the 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 turning of the key, if you will, um, from Sean Connery to Roger Moore, it was a complete different approach to James Bond. And it was. I mean, you're right on. The 60s was classy. The 70s was just this different feel. Um, They definitely focused back on the henchmen and bringing in ruthless, you know, villains. So it was it was interesting. But of course, it's like you could start to correlate all the movies that James Bond had to compete with. And it's like, oh, well. You know, the action movies of the 80s, then they had to change the tone. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're and way you, off subject now. No, but it, no <laughs> let me draw it back to subject because I think you've hit on something there. So, you know, yeah, we had these movies in the in the 60s. You did have James Bond. You had Planet of the Apes. So you did have kind of franchise films. Um, but... They weren't necessarily, I mean, James Bond's movies were big movies. The Planet of the Apes were big movies. But then Jaws comes along. And it's the first, like, true summer blockbuster. And obviously, movie studios are in a business. They're there to make money. So going back to what you were saying, Jackson, I mean, look, we're sitting here saying we enjoy Jaws too. It's obviously, a from the studio's vantage point, a cash grab. Um, but it's fun. 
you know, but at the same time, this is the same year we got the deer hunter and, and, and so forth. I guess where I'm weighing in and Jackson, you can, you can respond. Is there a middle ground somewhere? Yeah, that's that's tricky. I, I definitely get what you're, and that's that's a fun thing that uh, that Greg touched on, where it's like James Bond kind of charts how like cinema at the time where it was going, because Jaws really did change everything. It being this this huge blockbuster, and now you know the, James Bond needs to you know step up its game to kind of uh, meet that, and that, that is really interesting. I don't know if there's uh a, you know if it's possible to achieve that middle ground between awesome blockbuster uh, and like classy kind of jazzy cinema um I, I know a lot of people have tried but often when you when you shoot you know for that you don't hit either you know what i mean you're you're just kind of like out somewhere else that's not really good um but i want to talk about this really quick so i you know obviously i think we all like this the sequel to a certain extent i think it's the best case scenario for horror sequel or sequel to jaws yeah. because it isn't a straight up carbon copy but it's also, also like not too much of a departure but i just don't feel like it leaves the same impact that Jaws does. You know, it's technically it technically contains all the elements that made Jaws so great, but yeah. the, the Spielberg charm is missing. And I think it, the movie could have used characters like Quentin Hooper. I mean, like Roy Scheider is great as ever as Brody. All the returning actors, you know, for the first movie are great. But what we need is like a new character dynamic that would help the sequel. Uh, well, isn't stand that what up. they're trying to do with the teenagers? Are you saying it you is. Didn't like the teenagers? So I mean, it is interesting to have that and to have Ellen, you know, kind of have more of a role in the movie but i think there's a there's an idea they miss i mean there's a lot there are a lot of ideas floating around but i think a cool idea for the movie and here's my a new segment in the show uh, it's called script dr jackson it's like dr phil but way lamer or maybe not <laughs> uh, but uh it's like maybe after the events of the first movie we get a bunch of wannabe shark hunters migrating to amity for the summer right these are like adrenaline junkie like idiots they want to be on the news um, and when the shark attacks, the only people that believe Brody are these crackpot shark hunters. So Brody, <laughs> after he gets kicked off the force, has to team up with these gun-toting idiots, right, who've never even seen a shark in their life, but they want to be heroes because, you know, that that's the only option he has to team up with them. And, you know, like Brody could get some of them and pick one or two competent ones. They wouldn't all be idiots to be like his main men. But I think that could make for some really interesting scenarios. Like Chief Brody could be commanding this fleet of amateur shark hunters and during like the action scenes, we see we see the the kids like crash into each other, and I think that'd be funny if these amateur shark hunters are like going overboard and crashing into each other in the chaos. It's like Waterworld, but better, right? But anyways, that's that's what I would have done uh, if I was getting to keep Jaws franchise kingdom. Um, but okay, so maybe that's impractical. Um, I I I like where they win. I I'm with Greg. I think this is the best case. I, I well, you said this is the best case scenario. Yeah, I I like what they did with, and this is not as we said. This is as, as Greg pointed out. And sorry, I got puppies in the background who are. <laughs> we have Jaws too. Like I said, we joke that it's you know half joke that it's it's kind of slasherific, but the teenagers I didn't find annoying like in a lot of slashers. I thought they were pretty good. I mean, Greg, I mean, what did you think of them? I think that they had a really nice balance with the teenagers. I did get annoyed by one teenager, though. Oh, which and one? It, what, who are you calling it, out? It, it, it was Jackie. 
It was poor Donna Donna uh, Wilkes. I wrote down the I name. I agree. She yeah. just she just has this this scream that just every time something happens, she just starts this this scream, and it it's it's like okay, you've done it one too many times, and it's starting to lose the effect, you know, because it takes away what what's going on in the scene. Yeah, is I guess where I'm getting at. But Jack, otherwise, no. AKA Angel, right? Yeah. And she wouldn't she eventually play Angel? But okay, I'm I'm with you on Jackie, and ironically, she survived. Plus we have Keith. Spoiler plus fight. we have Keith Gordon. We've got Christine. Arnie. Yeah, Keith Gordon in there. Fame, so, Jackson, your thoughts on the teenagers? Uh, yeah, I I have to agree that Jackie was annoying. Uh, her just screaming incessantly. Like I get it. Uh, you know, she's her, her and uh, and little Sean are the only ones left in the, you know, in the the shark's line of uh, fire uh, near the end. But, you know, and I guess Sean kind of freezes up, but that's understandable. He's, you know, a little kid. She's just screaming her lungs out. Um, so uh, and it is a weird strategy uh, from the mayor's son to, like, push her over when she's like screaming at him instead of just like trying to <laughs> calm her down. So really, nobody's winning here. And by the way, about the mayor. Okay, my, the, one of the first notes I made when I was watching this movie was, how is the mayor still in power in the second movie? But honestly, I think that's the most <laughs> realistic part of the entire series, that this dude is still in power. And, like, the whole council was the it's, thing. It was, honestly, it was a joke in the reboot of Ghostbusters, right? Don't call me the Jaws mayor. Right. Yeah, and, okay, um, another thing I learned, I was, I was looking at the IMDb trivia, and take this with a grain of salt, because, you know, that's IMDb, um, but it says that there's a deleted scene where Mayor Larry actually votes for Brody to keep his job in the city council, and I wish that was still in the movie, because that, like, makes him a real character, you know what I mean, instead of just a villain. Um, so that that would have been cool to see, honestly, him sticking up for Brody. Um, yeah, but, I agree. Uh, May, he's still a great character. I still love uh, Mayor Larry of, I, of Amity. <laughs> you gotta love Murray Hamilton is just such a great actor. Period. But I mean, and you know, ironically, his wife—they thought his wife was dying, and he ended up dying. Um, mm. You know, before uh, shooting was done, he went to take care of her, and he was only on set for I think two days or something like that. He he wasn't there long. Um, but I think he gives a good performance. I think Roy Scheider gives a good performance. I think everybody gives a good performance. I, I will agree with you, Jackie, is, you know, annoying. But we get that in a lot of horror films. That's sure. I, I, I'll overlook that. But um, I, I think the teams are good. I think that everyone else is good. I like the direction that they went. I do have a few little quibbles like, you know, the director claimed to be like, well, the reason I need to direct this is I'm really good at action scenes. Carl Gottlieb will take care of the dialogue, but I'll go ahead and start shooting the action scenes. But in some of the action scenes, you can actually see. Now, I, I don't buy the – I think it was Andrew posted the other day on Facebook. I don't buy the people who complained about the original Jaws that the shark doesn't look real. I think it looks great. But in the sequel, like in the water skiing scene where the shark comes up, you can actually see the hydraulics. Mm-hmm. That stuff – bugs me am i the only one no no it was just interesting because i feel like they were trying to like create this uh like an air bubble behind the shark mechanism yeah so instead of using i i'm pretty sure they didn't use a full size shark they only used half of it like so the dorsal fin on up Right. And then behind it is just this like air bubble. It's just it just looks like water. But, yeah, you can see every once in a while 
the the mechanism and it's like oh geez <laughs> yeah but yeah i have the same complaint about hellraiser that you can see like the grips pushing yeah. the monster going down the hall but jackson did you notice that or i did notice i actually thought that the shark for the most part looked pretty good in this movie um i can definitely see it like if i went back and watched it i'm sure i could see it. i watched the, the dvd of this i was watching dvd quality but um yeah, I don't know. I it's it looks okay, and we see a lot of the shark. But you know, that being said, I'm glad they didn't figure out the shark animatronic in the first movie because I like that we didn't see it as much. Yeah. Uh, because like, regardless of how good the effects are, the movie gets a lot sillier, sillier when we could see the Doctor Evil shark swimming open mouthed mm -hmm. above water. <laughs> and just like it inherently, no matter how good the shark looks, it's gonna be sillier. Um, so yeah, I'm glad they, that they couldn't get Bruce to work in the first one because otherwise I think Jaws would be a very different movie. And how sad is it that Bruce just was set to rot in Universal I Studios? Know. They had Universal to loves to do that. Uh, I know, I know, but all right. Well, I just think this is a fun movie. I think it's a good sequel. What else do you guys want to talk about? I know you guys have got notes, Jackson. I know you got a lot of notes, Greg. What else do you want to hit on on Jaws 2? Oh, just a few little things. Um, it, it's it's just a minor crap. Again, it's it's just overthinking just because of enjoying the original so much. Did you guys notice any kind of an age difference between the, the Brody boys? Oh, this, gosh, this continues yes. to happen with all the sequels where all <laughs> of a sudden, you know, we've only spanned three years. Yeah. But yet... Like how, somehow they're they're uh, they, especially one the goes from boy. like ten to seventeen, and then yep. yeah, the other one just he just maybe ages those three years, but the other right. one seems to have a huge growth spurt. Yeah, and then and then of course in part three, which we're not there yet, but um, <clears throat> but um, the the one guy that cracked me up only because of growing up and watching the series with my grandfather and my mom was the character of uh, Peterson, Len Peterson. Yeah. Um, if you've ever watched the uh, Days of Our Lives yeah. soap opera, he was the ultimate villain on there. So, of course, um, it, it was a good callback to the way that he I was. I was wondering where I knew him from. Went back Stefano. In the, Stefano. Back in the 80s, every day I would have to, every morning before I went to school, I'd have to set the VCR so that my sisters could watch Days of Our Lives. Yep. And I was like, where do I know that guy from? And I didn't look him up on IMDb. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. And 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 it was it was really kind of uh, comforting to get uh, the deputy back, the same deputy Hendrix. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Kramer. I, I always thought he should have gotten more work. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> I don't think he ever did a bad job with either of these movies. No, you know, Jaws or Jaws Two, and and yeah, and he's in Halloween Two. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the corner yeah. in Halloween Two. Yeah, he's he's always good. Yeah. And then, um, oh, I just wrote took a note that the the director um, he also directed the movie uh, Bug from 1975, which is a I just have a soft spot for it. I don't know why. It's about cockroaches that can spontaneously combust. It's it's mid seventies sci-fi <laughs> hilarity. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, it's uh, you know, I, I I enjoy the ride. I think that it's fun. The teenagers have a good dynamic, and I feel like that's probably where it just differs from the original. Um, yeah. It just doesn't have that. 
total package feel that the that the first has sure which is good but as you pointed out it also doesn't fall right into those you know beat for beat story for story sequels that they right. well the first one did this this is what we're gonna have to do right because they could have easily had gone that route with sending the teenagers out to go save let's just say the teenagers went out to go save their friends right and they're on the boat and uh it, that just wouldn't have played out as as chaotic as it ended up playing out even though we do lose the helicopter which then plays into the story of damaging <laughs> the boats so that they can't travel back and everything was just in its right place it just you know it's 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 good entertainment it's a fun ride i agree with you i think it's a fun ride and so. just and everything that with roy scheider which again i didn't know any of it but it, you kind of wonder why didn't he come back for three? Oh, he came back for two. That's awesome. He came back for two just to complete his contract with Universal. Right. Which which was which that's just how it was but back then. But well that and, um, he got four hundred grand in nineteen seventy. Well yeah, he, money. yeah. Yeah, he, he got a he got a, a boatload of money too. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but even even with the notations and knowing that, he even said, I still gave my hundred and ten percent. I mean, I I griped and I had a hard time on set, but I he didn't do a bad job. It, he could have phoned it in. Yeah, he gonna, does. We'll, we'll we'll come to the phoning in later, but yes, but it's just it's <laughs> funny that you know his gripe with the director was he was spending too much time on the technical aspects. It's like Roy, you're in Jaws two. This is not yeah. Shakespeare in the Park. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what, he wanted him to spend more time with the actors to do what? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not down with Roy on this. I, I, you know, I, I just think that I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's a summer blockbuster sequel. It is a popcorn movie. It's a fun ride. Roy, you got four hundred grand in nineteen seventy eight money. You know, dude, chill out a little bit. Um, yeah. That's my opinion, but Jackson, I know you got a lot of notes before we talk about the ending and our ratings and everything. What do you got? Yeah, I've got quite well. Now I've got more because uh, Greg brought up that the director made Bug with uh, <laughs> uh, combusting cockroaches, which makes me wonder about the climax of this movie with the exploding shark. If that had anything to do with it, uh, I mean, the shark doesn't spontaneously combust, but it sure does combust. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe he had experience with that and that's the reason he got the job. Um, but, uh, I love the scene early on where we see the shark narrowly miss the paraglider before it moves onto the wake border. Yes. Because that implies that the shark can swim faster than a motorboat, which like firmly establishes Bruce Jr. as either super powered or cybernetic, yeah. uh, which I guess he literally is cybernetic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that boat explosion is truly like a spectacle though. That's a great set piece. Yes. I don't know why she thought to pour gasoline on herself, but she probably should have gone to the for the flare gun first. But but man, oh man, that's a that's a great shot, um, and uh, really ups the stakes. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad they didn't with Jaws one make Quint's boat explode at the end. I think the the oxygen tank was enough, but. Uh, yeah, I wish that every movie had up the stakes. You know what I mean? I wish that the shark had, had gone up in more and more extreme ways each each movie. 
But uh, anyways, I also love that that fake killer whale corpse they put on the the uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the beach. It looks like a sculpture kids would climb on at a zoo. So like <laughs> minus the ceramic except, blade, I was blood, say, obviously. without the bite marks. Yeah. Yeah, but it it's like they're touching it and it doesn't move. It's like so obviously like you know plastic or something. But I love that that kind of thing. I wonder where that prop is now. I'm sure Universal like let it rot or something. But. Uh, which is what they like to do. Um, oh, this is a historic movie set. Well, let's make a ride. You know what I mean? Let's 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 demolish this so we can make a ride here. Uh, anyways, um, another note I have: open face shirt. Uh, Chief Brody is a perfect encapsulation of masculinity. Uh, when he's, he's <laughs> making his poison bullets hey, like hey, that. Guys, that for, for a heavy smoker, the guy's in pretty good shape. Yeah, for real. I mean, I guess he's getting ready to fight a shark again. You know, yeah. he's always got to be on guard. Um, and then I wrote Chekhov's power line. It's so yes. funny because that scene is only there <laughs> to, to establish yes. that power line. Um, and then, you know, Greg was talking about the, the climax of the movie. It seems like uh, you like it a lot. I'm I'm in the opinion that I think it, the climax of the movie, the third act, is too long and too convoluted. Uh, like what? I like the individual ideas. I like the I ideas. I love of, the third act. I I like it too. I like the individual ideas. Right, if a bunch of sinking boats tied together, I like the idea of attracting a shark with vibrations like tremors, and I like the idea of electrocuting it to finally kill it. But by the end of that 25-minute long scene, the final death of the shark is like, okay, finally. That's, that's how I feel. And maybe you're supposed to feel that way. But also the happy tone at the end of the movie where all the kids are giggling and Chief Brody is like cracking wise with whimsical music behind it. And there's still a, a smoldering shark corpse in frame. It just feels very with one, odd. With one of their friends in the shark's belly. Right, exactly. It's like, ha, 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 never going in the water again. It's like smoldering shark and happy, like, xylophone music behind it. It's a really wild ending. I mean, it's Jaws 3D, which we'll talk about, does the same thing with, like, a whimsical ending scene. Well, yes. Did they forget? I guess Jaws 4 does the same thing. They all end all whimsically, (laughs) except the first one. And the first one, it was exactly how it's supposed to be. They swim away, you know? They've still got miles to go. They are not happy about this. They swim away and are miserable. In this movie, they're like, ha-ha, yay! The shark is dead, and so are half of our friends. It just feels very odd. I love the ending when I know it's like an action movie cliché when he's like open wide and then feeds hmm. him the power cable line. I like <laughs> not it. only I not only open fun. wide. He says open wide. Say, ah, say, ah yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I Greg, am I alone here? Did you like the end? No, you're not alone. Okay. Again, I remember this when I was a kid and being I, I was l- literally scared. I mean, I remember being terrified by the ending because I don't I didn't think that these kids, which, you know, again, I wasn't their age yet, but I was going to be their age. Right. I, I, I remember. And, and it's it's exhilarating, I guess. Um, and sure, it's, it's kind of a cliche now, but I smile. I'm smiling right now just thinking about it because it, it wouldn't be uh, Chief Brody uh, without saying a line like that. That's a little. Yeah little cheese but you know what it's it's good it's a it's an action movie line right mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it pays out. It has a good payout. So yeah. See, Jackson, darn it. Listen, sorry, to Jackson. It's, it's I a, have it's, no it's problem with thing. it. I enjoy the the death of the shark in that scene. I just think that the third act could use a little trimming. I mean, they're floating out there for a long time. And, and I can and I can see your understanding. Yes, I could agree with that. Would where would I cut? I don't know, but I do think that's that my thing. Might have I, been a little bit of trimming. Yeah, I'm thinking, where would you cut? Like, I liked, like, when they were trying to get to Cable Junction and they start paddling and they're like, quit paddling. Why? The shark. Like, oh, yeah, we have a killer shark. And I know that's like, you know, oh, well, yeah, you're dummies. But at the same time, you know, at age 50, I kind of look at all teenagers as, you know, somewhat sociopathic anyway. So I'm (laughs) sorry, Jackson. Um, I just... You know, that's I'm almost right. out. Of, I'm almost out of the water here. I'm 19. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You've got, yeah, you've only got uh, 10, 11 months to go before you're you're at you're 20. But still, I don't know. I liked the ending. I thought it was satisfying. I liked the third act. I actually agree with you, Jackson. I thought the second act may have been a little slow. I love the um, paragliding thing where it's. You know, which yeah, I my wife just went paragliding a few uh, months ago in Aruba, and I told her it was you know it was like sharks call it bobbing for bobbing for bottoms, um, you know go go right ahead, but you're an idiot. Um, I like those scenes. I thought it was well shot. Yes, it's it's not the original. It could never be the original. Steven Spielberg. You can call him arrogant for saying he didn't want to do the sequel because he made the definitive shark movie. But you know what? It ain't bragging if you can back it up. He made the definitive shark movie. There's, there's, I mean, maybe one day some filmmaker will make a movie as good as Jaws. Nobody's going to make one better. Not, not a shark movie. I, and so I think it's just there. And so, you know, it, it's going to be a sequel. You know, we can argue if we want to go scream to and uh, into the film class and argue about what sequels are better than their original. I actually think that there are some sequels more fun than their original, but I don't think there are very many that are better. Um, But Jaws 2, I think, does what it's supposed to do. I like it. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. I own it. That's where I'm coming down. I think it's got a great cast. I like the cinematography. I like the action. I like the pacing. I love Carl Gottlieb's dialogue. I definitely see where he came in and polished up the dialogue. So, Jackson, where am I wrong? I don't, I don't think you're incorrect, and I'm I'm actually coming in also at a 7.5. Um, I, I really like this one. It's been a favorite for a long time. Uh, I just think that watching it on the way to the beach, you start to get tired of that of that third act a little bit. And again, yeah, I don't know where you you trim it. I mean, there's great scenes with the helicopter and them paddling. Yeah. I I think maybe there's just too many passes of the shark at them when they're not doing anything. They're just kind of in open water. Um, All right, but, that, uh, that that may be fair. That may be fair. Okay. But anyways, yeah, I, I mean, I talked, I, there's a lot of little fun things about this movie. I'm glad it was made. I think that maybe they should have stopped with this one. We get Jaws 1 and 2. It would be the perfect little duo. But uh, yeah, I'm coming in at 7.5 as well. I have no idea where Greg's going to come in. I, I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to be the low dog on this one. I'm coming really? in right underneath wow. you guys at a 7. Um, I just could I it's it's not that it's bad, and seven is not a bad score. It's no, that's a good writing. Um, 
it's just a lot of the little nuances that just gets me every time. And I think it's just because there's the, the King is always in my eyesight. Jaws yeah. is always there. And, and no matter what, there's comparisons being made and, and there's little things that I, again, how could you change it? There's, I have no idea, but yeah, it's just it's just uh, a little bit on the lesser side for me. Not it's it's missing score. that touch, isn't it? That like Spielberg yeah. rousing adventure feel. It doesn't have that rousing adventure feel. I don't know how you add that in. Spielberg just somehow <laughs> does it with like Raiders and this. He just somehow has that rousing adventure feel that isn't quite in Jaws 2. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll go with that. So let's, for time's sake, let's move on to 1983. Uh, I was a wee 11 years old and lived only a quarter of a mile from the Wheelersburg Cinema. And on Friday evening, July 22nd of 83, I watched in the theater Jaws 3D. So the IMDb synopsis reads, a giant 35-foot shark, it's a little redundant, becomes trapped in a SeaWorld theme park. And it's up to the sons of police chief Brody to rescue everyone. Oh, that's a bit inaccurate and a bit sexist, because I got your back, Bess Armstrong. Um, Greg, when did you first see Jaws 3, as it came to be known on home video, or as I saw it in the theater, Jaws 3D? Um, it probably would have been uh, whenever the the movie of the week kind of a thing that you had gotcha. touched on earlier. Um, it would have been an immediate watch because of just how fun I guess is the nice word of putting it. Um, what, what a concept, though, to have it take place at SeaWorld. Of course, yeah. that's, that's a cash grab if, if, if there ever was one. So. Well, I got a question for you, Greg. Because, you, you know, <laughs> you and I have experienced some life. We've worked for some companies. Um, who at SeaWorld thought this was a positive <laughs> product placement? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Go just, to SeaWorld, see, see Shamu, yeah. and maybe get eaten by a great white shark. Yeah, it's, I don't, I have no idea. And it's the whole undersea adventure with those tunnels is yeah. why I would probably never go into anything yeah. like that. You say about not going in the water because of Jaws. Now, I have my app, you know, I do keep my distance, but I will go in the water. But like going underneath that, if they're like, oh, yeah, we got sharks in the distance, I'll be good. I'll just stay right here. Nah, you guys take some good pictures for me. I'm good. Uh, mm. You take the Dave Dr. Shock mm. Becker approach, which yep. is I'll go in the water as long as I'm yep. surrounded by somebody I know I can outrun or outswim. <laughs> I, I've, I've gone parasailing. And, oh, have you? Oh, boy. And, and the, it was down in Florida last year with, with my wife and kids. And what's crazy about it is that was on my mind almost the entire time leaving the shore you take a boat out to another boat and then you're skimming around on the parasail for i don't know a minute and a half two minutes i don't remember it feels like forever and for someone that doesn't like heights and is thinking there could be a shark right underneath me. And then they're like, and we're going to dunk you. I'm like, how, dunk much, how, much, how much were you paid? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. But, I mean, it was a cool experience. Um, 
And then, of course, what's the first thing I do? Because I didn't want to do it before the vacation, but that day I finally had to, like, look it up. Where we were at was actually very minimal for sharks, let alone shark attacks. So that was really comforting. Um, well, I'm sure the it, folks at SeaWorld thought the same thing, Greg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long, long story. No, 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 no. I, like, look, I, I... I kind of respect you, and I think, and I kind of think you're crazy because I would never do it. But, um, I, Jackson, when did you first see Jaws 3D? It's been a while, but I, you know, back then I had less patience than I do now. I wasn't doing the podcast. I could not finish this in one sitting. Uh, I don't remember where I watched it first, but I definitely didn't do it all at once because, man, watching it this time, it was like. Watching this as a full movie is kind of exhausting, but uh, it's not what? even... And the funny thing is, we'll see as we get further, like, in even with the next movie, but each of these sequels get shorter and shorter. So even though the quality is exponentially getting worse with each passing film, at least there's less to suffer through, I think. Um, but, like, man, I, I was excited because the opening to this movie is really something. We get that decapitated fish head floating around for, like, 20 seconds before an awkwardly <laughs> formatted title card, like, soars up in 3D. It's wild. I mean, like, unfortunately, not watching this movie on a 3D TV makes for, you know, pretty funny watching experience. But, uh... Yeah, it's interesting. And then my favorite thing of all time, the opening credit doesn't say adapted uh, from the, the novel Jaws by Peter Benchley. It doesn't say inspired by the novel Jaws by Peter Benchley. It says suggested by the novel Jaws, <laughs> which is maybe the funniest <laughs> opening credit of all time. It's like Peter Benchley never even dreamed of this, but we found some wiggle room. Uh, it's, it's very funny. Um, so, yeah, they, they couldn't even call it an adaptation of any kind. They couldn't bring themselves to do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, it's been a while, but I, I enjoyed myself more than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, Man, watching this, you know, on a TV, you know, or a computer screen, really anything other than like maybe like a either a phone screen or a shaky projector, it really leaves a lot to be desired visually. Look, I get it. I this thing was critically panned. It has something like 11 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And I understand because it was not just shot for 3D. It was really shot for 3D. Sure was. I mean, even more than Friday the 13th Part 3, which is saying oh, yeah. something. Yeah. And it <laughs> so it looks bad in 2D. A lot of the shots look really weird in, in 2D. And Universal, uh, being Universal, they've done nothing to clean it up. I get it. But gosh darn it, I like it. I may be <laughs> suffering from Gilman's cinematic nostalgia disorder because I saw this in the theater, but I like it, darn it. I like the cast. I think it's fun. I will tepidly stand by this movie as a guilty pleasure. That's where I'm going to stand with Jaws 3D. Greg, what about you? Uh, it's it's one that left a mark. I mean, it, it's always been a it, it's been <laughs> no a fun watch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun watch. But the second that you take it overly too seriously, it just everything falls out. The whole floor drops out, and you're like, yeah, this is just it's just not there. But I mean, how cool is it when there's the human pyramid and they're water skiing, and you see that fin pop up yeah. with the music swelling? It's cool. I mean, there's yes. just no doubt about it. The, towards the end, with the shark coming at you, and it's all in slow motion, and you're just like, just move out of the way. I mean, but it's so, 
it's so cool though. That's what's weird. It's, it's like I'm with you. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but I mean, I cannot on any way, shape, or form. I have, you know, you've studied film, Greg. You've, you, you know, I've studied film. I cannot sit here and say, and this is why, in you know, contradistinction to Butcher Bill and Gilman Joel, I love them both, but I will still st stand by the term guilty pleasure because I cannot say this is a good movie, but yet I have fun with it. And it's not that, you know, I know Bill's thing is like, yeah, but just like what you like. I mean, yeah, no, 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 duh, like what you like. But my point is, as somebody who has studied film, I can still look at this and go, yeah, this is not a good movie. <laughs> but I'm still having fun, and that's what I mean by a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think can get a hundred percent behind you on that statement because I still use the term guilty pleasure, and people are like, "It's not guilty if you like it," and I'm like, "I know, but there's 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 more behind it than that." And yes, it's not just liking it or disliking it. It's looking at it and going objectively as somebody who studied film. Mm -hmm. I know this is crap, <laughs> right? But I still, I'm having fun. And so even though I can see like, this is off, this is off, the, the plot holes are big enough to drive a Sherman tank through, mm -hmm. you know, all those things exist, but I'm still having fun. And I want to support good filmmaking. So mm -hmm. even if a film is not enjoyable, but if it's well-made, I'll still say it's a well-made film. Maybe I'll only watch it once, but that's what I mean by guilty pleasure. So you're on the same page with me with that. Uh, yep. I'm right there with you. And again, for the podcast, I did a little bit behind the scenes reading. Uh, I can save it for later or we can talk about it right now on exactly the, the feeling that you are talking about. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it because I can't wait to hear what Jackson has to say about this, but okay. let's give him the full context. So let's go for it. Okay, so we have the director, Joe Elvis, and that should play in mind with mm -hmm. the Jaws movies because he was the production designer for the first and second film. So when they were struggling to find a director for this movie, um, I forget if it was Lorraine Gary that suggested him or someone's, oh, no, 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 it was the editor. Um, shoot. Verna Fields. Verna Fields. Yep. She suggested, why don't you give Joe Elvis a chance to direct? And of course, this is his only movie that he ever directed. Right. But with but with that knowledge of him being a production designer, and rewatching this movie, having that in 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 context or in mind, it actually does have some really good production moments. You know, mm -hmm. the camera is placed well. The scenery is you can just eat it up. It's just I think where this movie faults or where its weakness is is with the dialogue and with the story. Like you said, plot holes the size of a Sherman tank. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just bad writing. And I hate using that like that, but it just is. It's laughably bad, some of these moments. I should have wrote down some of the quotes, but it doesn't matter. When you watch it, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Because you're getting some, at the time they weren't A-list actors, but they were pretty good. Actors, oh yeah, especially Leia Thompson in her debut, Dennis Quaid, yep. Bess Armstrong, Louis Gossett Gosset Jr. Jr. just came off of winning an Oscar, and then he's in this movie. You know, it's like 
whoa, but it's he, he it's not his none of their acting is bad. That's what's really bizarre about this. Yeah. It's just what they're saying. And yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the entire none of it makes sense, but it's no. fun. That's yes. that's where I'm coming from. All right. Jackson, I can't wait to hear your response to all this. Well, okay. First of all, let me say, I'm I, again. I I feel like I came off real negative in the beginning, but I think there is a lot of really neat stuff. There is some neat stuff in this. Uh, I think the you know the the uh, the two main Dennis Quaid and uh, oh, what's their name? Yes, Armstrong. Uh, yes, Beth Armstrong. They make a pretty good team. I mean, they're actually pretty endearing. Um, uh, and uh, Leah Thompson is. Okay, this isn't her best role, but I mean, there are there is some some real star power in this, um, and they're all trying at least a little bit. Um, I think the 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 real standouts are I mean, I already said Dennis Quaid, but Simon McCorkendale. McCorkendale, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, as <laughs> Philip Fitzroyce. Yes. Really, he's like the Han Solo sort of character of this movie. Yeah. Um, and he's really interesting. And his his cameraman, who was governor, is always calling him governor, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is which is a great. Uh, I mean, they've got this real connection there. Um, makes you wonder if they're more than friends. But uh, I guess I guess Philip Fitzroyce asks a uh, an engaged woman out to drink. So maybe I shouldn't be making that assumption. But uh, yeah, well, I, he I didn't like... know at the time. Right, right. But I, I like the the uh, the characters in this movie. I think a lot of the acting does fall flat. Uh, I mean, I like uh, the character of Calvin, but he's really going for some choices. It's like some Rudy Ray Moore type line delivery <laughs> at some point. It's really something. Uh, <laughs> he feels kind of out of place at, at some points, but I, I still think he's really entertaining. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a very oddly written movie. I mean, I'm pretty sure an undersea observation deck like that would cost more than $34 million. I mean, like, e even accounting for inflation, that's the most unrealistic part of this movie. I mean, the Coliseum costs the equivalent of, like, $500 million, and that's just a big stone oval. So I, I don't know how you're going to make, like, a sealed <laughs> observation deck 40 feet under underwater. Um, but anyways, well, they uh, built it, it before they flooded it, obviously. Right. <laughs> and this is made and this is made in the future, too, because the the uh, Brody kids are all grown up. So this is set in like <laughs> right. 20, 30 or whatever. Back to Greg's point. Yeah, we're we're now and basically it has to be what, Greg, the 1990s, right? <laughs> yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. <laughs> With a conspicuously, oddly 1983 fashion sense. Yes, it's very, very odd. They didn't nail the the grunge look, but no, um, <laughs> but and that means that Joel's Revenge also takes place in the future, which is really odd. But uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's, it's really neat. I like the ideas they're going for. And you know, you're talking about SeaWorld. I don't know if they sponsored this movie, but they definitely let them uh, shoot there. You know. Uh, and uh, didn't charge them, as far as I know. Um, which, yeah, it they seems very odd that they would agree to this. On SeaWorld, they built additional sets on SeaWorld because not all yeah, that yeah. was actually working. Yeah, right. Because I, I know that SeaWorld is landlocked; they don't really have like a gate to the ocean, so they had to they had to work around it and build some sets and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I like the the idea they have here, like the idea of uh, Jaws finding its way into a man-made lagoon is really cool. I like that idea. I mean, 
I feel like this is kind of they kind of brought it back with the Meg. You know, they did that same thing with an underwater like observation thing with the the shark attacking. Um, so it's really innovative that they tried this in '83. I don't think the technology was there like at all. Even if they had shot this in 2D with the regular film camera, it probably would have looked bad. I mean, that like that sub, the the submersible just looks yeah. awful. I mean, it's keyed out so poorly. It's like how well, do you? it, it looks better in 3D. It did look better. I'm sure it did, but I can't imagine it looking good still. Um, but yeah. man, it was a bold choice to try to do this entire. It seems like they shot the entire movie with these 3D cameras because even like non-3D scenes are out of focus. It's very uh, odd. I think actually the majority of it they did. Yeah, and which is it, it's such a baffling choice. Well, oh, it was. It was a thing. I mean, it was, especially in that year, 82, 83, there was a huge 3D boom. Uh, right. They were but you can tell, like, back. and you can tell in, like, Friday the 13th Part 3 that some of it shot 2D, some of it shot 3D. Like, the 3D effects are shot in 3D, and the rest are oh, shot in sure. a regular film cam. So, I mean, the movie looks good until you get to the 3D shots, and then the shock value of those shots, you know, distracts you. So I, I don't understand why they decided to shoot dialogue scenes with a 3D camera with a flat background. I don't really know. Oh, Dennis Quaid is really popping right now. Like what the idea of that was. But <laughs> and, and Dennis Quaid, according said, uh, Dennis Quaid, according to Dennis Quaid, was absolutely stoned out on cocaine the entire time. I he was can tell. <laughs> yeah, that scene where Leah Thompson and his brother and Sean are are in the the lake and he's like creeping around. He is like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> he's crazy. I will but, tell you, um, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. Um, I remember very distinctly walking down a street. Um, I, I think it was Melrose Boulevard when I lived in L.A. And I was going to I was going to meet somebody at a restaurant and I passed a coffee shop and Dennis Quaid was sitting outside of the coffee shop at like an outside table. Right. And he was wearing um, like cowboy boots jeans a jacket and no shirt <laughs> that's great that's what i'm gonna wear from now on yeah so yeah well what can i say to paraphrase dave Chappelle, cocaine's a heck of a drug but go ahead yeah i think honestly i think uh that well first of all he made this movie better with that coquette energy that was great uh but uh yeah i, I don't know i'm glad it, it seems like they had fun making this movie like how yeah, can you I, not but i don't think he's bad I, I think right to go back to what you said here, like he and Bess Armstrong, I think, have some chemistry. I think they're a good couple in this movie. Definitely. I think if they had a little bit better writing between the two of them, they had more than just that one thing. Are you coming right. to Venezuela? Like if they had a little bit more yeah. to their relationship, but they did have good chemistry. Definitely. I'd like to see what what those two could have done with like a well, more, you know, uh, a heavier script. Yeah, but, it goes um, back to Greg's point. I can't defend the screenplay here. Right. I, I cannot defend the screenplay, but I, I I still think the actors did with it. And even Lewis Gossett Jr., who was nominated, maybe even won a Golden Raspberry for this. I like him in this, even though he makes stupid decisions. I still, for some reason, I like him. Yeah, me too. Greg, did you like him or am I out there? Oh, no, no, I liked him. And I mean, it, what's interesting, because we can view it in hindsight, um, it, it has a lot of similar beats to uh, Jurassic Park. And oh, so Lou Gossett Jr.'s character is uh, is like the 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 Spare billionaire. 
spared yeah. no expense, right? I mean, spared no expense, and he's like, yeah. he's making poor decisions. Shut down the pump. Well, that's going to do this. Well, I can't pay for another pump. <laughs> yeah. So it's. I don't know what it is about Louis Gossett Jr. I just I like him in everything. I just for whatever reason, whether it's officer and a gentleman, whether it's Digstown, whatever, I just like him. Jackson, I've never heard you talk about Louis Gossett Jr. much until now. I mean, did you like him? This is the only movie I've seen him in, but he made a strong impression. He's definitely making some choices, and uh, he is fun. He's like, I would compare him to later Halloween sequel Loomis. Not first movie Loomis, but like kind of crazy shooting at everything Loomis. Like that that era of Loomis. That's what he reminds me of. Okay. And I'm curious to know, you hear reporters in the beginning of the movie, before he like comes up to do an uh, interview, we will not be discussing his colorful past. What did this guy do before like opening this <laughs> You <laughs> what did this guy do? I, I would uh, love a spinoff with him. Jaws the Revenge should have been him getting revenge for his nephew that died from the show. Calvin that Bouchard. Yeah, loosely based on the Charlie Sheen story. Um, yeah, <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Yeah, why didn't we get that? Man, I, I, if I had been in Hollywood in the 80s, I would have torn this up. Man, I... Just give me all the power here. I would have I would have created a, a real I mean, I can't guarantee it would be good, but it would certainly be entertaining. Well, you know, because the original pitch was that Joe Dante was going to do um, National Lampoon's Jaws three people zero. Um, and it was going to be a comedy. I am glad we got this film. I would still like to see Joe Dante's movie, you know, coming off Piranha and the Howling. But I'm still glad we got this movie. I, I I can't defend it objectively as, you know, as a former wannabe filmmaker, but I'm still glad we have it. Greg, you're with me, right? Please tell me you're with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally with you. I've, I've read um, some of the highlights of the, the Jaws 3 people, Zero, and it just wouldn't have been the right direction. Right. <clears throat> and... Yeah, this is this is what we got, and it's it's it could have been worse, which we we'll, can touch on later. But it, it's I, I wouldn't shut it off, and I wouldn't change the channel if it was on television. So and it's just just a sign of something fun to watch and worth. Well, let's go with that because what what you said. So you know, Gilman Joel's hero, Richard Matheson, co-wrote this film, this this quote unquote film. You know, mm-hmm. and he, he claimed script doctors ruined his original story about a great white getting caught in a lake, you know, that's, you know, adjacent to the ocean, which was partially inspired by the real life New Jersey shore attacks. That's where Richard Matheson wanted to go with it. You know, what do you think they should have gone that direction or what do you think? What I mean... There were different ways they were going to go with this, right? Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I kind of like the way that this this direction was. <laughs> All I do too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm with yeah. you, man. I like the direction <laughs> they went. I, I, I think. Look again for the fiftieth time. It's not a great movie, but I think it's a lot of fun. I just think it's a lot of fun, and so. Jackson, tell me where I'm wrong. Would you have rather seen You're Richard not, Matheson's original? I, or Joe I don't Dante's know. Jaws 3, People Zero? 
I like the idea of Jaw 3 People Zero. Maybe not like that, the official Jaw 3 sequel, but if, you know, if I had my way, we would have ended at Jaws 2, period. But, um, yeah, I, this is a fun movie. I don't even think you need a comedy. This is just as fun and maybe unintentionally funny. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of like little great beats in this that are really memorable. Just as memorable uh, as as the ending of Jaws or the 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 nails on the chalkboard scene that I referenced earlier is floating arm in the water yes. and Fitzroyce inside of the shark's mouth, just kind of <laughs> chilling in there. So there's a lot of I mean, in that that shark explosion at the end, that's still pretty gnarly. Like that's pretty. That's, oh I know that, man. Seeing that in the theater, buddy, when <laughs> I remember distinctly, you know, I don't have many distinct memories from when I was 11, 39 years ago. But I remember sitting there in the Wheelsburg Cinema with my 3D glasses, fighting off a headache, and boom, that thing explodes. And the jawbone is like, it looks like it's right there in front of you. Yeah, I I really want to see. I, you know, they should bring this back. I think they should do a limited run of this before they inevitably make a yeah. Jaws reboot of some kind. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's still a pretty gnarly. Like all the shark deaths so far have been pretty gnarly. Um, I could do without like the murkiness of the climax of this movie. They're in that like darkly lit kind of flooded room, and it's all right. kind of murky and it's it's not very climactic. But the final explosion is pretty cool. So um, I think that that's a good. Uh, that's a good moment. Um, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of, I mean, the freeze frame ending has got to be one of the worst endings to a movie ever with those like dolphin, 3D oh, dolphins coming up. I, at 11, I will tell you, and I was 11, but I loved that ending knowing that the dolphins were okay. But Greg, yeah, what, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, I don't think that Cindy and Sandy or whatever they're called needed to be 3D at the end <laughs> like that. The, and they freeze on oh, it. For a OK, while. yes. The freeze frame thing at the end. I forgot about that. Yeah. OK. But in 3D, it was OK. Um, Greg, the ending, what do you think? Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's a, it's so fun. I don't know. I just that's the only word I could put for it with the whole you know, uh, uh, golly, I can't think of the guy's name, but uh, oh, uh, the assistant, <laughs> the assistant oh, to, to Fitzroy's, and he's, oh, he's just yeah. upset, oh, and he's yelling yeah. about the why didn't he pull the pin? He should have pulled the pin. He, ca I can't believe he didn't pull the pin. And and then it's like, what pin? Like you, know, and then all of a sudden, when you see the shark, and there he is with his arm extended. It's like this is great. This swallowed. is just <laughs> this is this is just gonna be awesome. And yeah, I mean, there's no no and yet doubt about it. Somehow he still, even though he hasn't swallowed Fitzroy's, he eats Lewis Gossett yeah. Jr.'s nephew. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing: I like to imagine that he had some some with all that equipment on. He had some terrible acid reflux, so he just kind of <laughs> he came back up. You know, he was down, but he came back up just in time for that final. It was, it was providence, really. The Aussies and the Brits are not known for their cuisine, let's face it. And you are what you yeah. eat. So, okay. He was a so, bottom feeder, and the shark didn't like it. He was going to vomit him back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, I give this a 6 out of 10. Okay. I call it a stream. I, I fully admit this is CND for me. And by the way, all these films are currently streaming on Hulu and Peacock, so... I'm coming in at a six out of ten. You guys, Greg, anything else you want to bring up before you give your rating? 
Uh, the only thing I was going to say was because of just being a product of the 80s. If you were alive and watching various television shows that either succeeded or didn't succeed, uh, two popular 80s shows called Falcon Quest and Manimal. Manimal! That, you beat me to it! I have that in my notes. I get Simon oh, McCall Manimal. Yes! Yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, seeing this, it reminds me of some of those... Uh, 80s television shows that we don't get anymore yeah. um so that's where you know because i was like he looks so familiar and i can't remember the show that he was on and i was like falcon quest i remember that and i hated watching it with my mom and dad because that's when i had to go to bed yes yeah. <laughs> so, i um, remember seeing episodes of manimal yeah. you know when i was a kid and then i didn't think a, a thing about it until the, I think, when the credits were rolling for Talladega Nights. Oh, okay. And John C. Riley goes, where they're talking about Jesus, he goes, I picture him kind of like that TV show Manimal. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Oh, so what, what, do, you, what do you rate Jaws 3? I'm just, I'm just still going to just squeak out below you. I'm at a five out of 10. Okay. And it's, and again, it's, it goes back to that writing where I, it's not the best score, but yeah, it's, you know, they just some, sometimes you're just like, I want to watch it. I want to share the enjoyment that I'm getting with other people. Yeah. And then when you watch it with someone else and they're like, um, yeah, no, we're never going to let you pick the movie next time. And it's like, come on, <laughs> this is, this is entertainment. This is good. This is good stuff. And it's like, I don't know about good. And I'm like, it's good. It's, it's, Turn, you almost turn have to find someone greater or older that experienced yeah. the same thing in the 80s that you did for you to enjoy this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm right there, right in the middle, because I feel like that that's where this movie is. It's just right in the middle. I got you. Jackson, what about you? I'm just like a, a tranquilizer dart right between the two fins of a shark. I'm right in the middle between you. I'm 5.5. Okay. Um, I say pros, fun factor, right? Dennis Quaid and the concept. Cons, SeaWorld worship, bad effects, very bad effects, and it doesn't really feel like a Jaws movie that much. Oh. Mm -hmm. So 5.5 out of 10. I still really enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but boy, this is a baffling one. It's just a weird movie. <laughs> There was a lot of cocaine in Hollywood at the time, buddy. Uh, it was. So, let's and now I need to watch Manimal, I feel like. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that, that one slipped by me. Go to YouTube and look up Manimal. Um, let's move to 1987 when I was 15, fully decked out in ripped denim, metal band tees, and two earrings just in my left ear. Let's talk about Jaws the Revenge. So the IMDb synopsis reads, Chief Brody's widow believes that her family is deliberately being targeted by another shark in search of revenge as they do. And yes, this is a movie where the shark roars. Greg, do you remember when you first saw Jaws the Revenge? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to forget? Or? Uh, no, 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 no. I just, okay. this was one that, um, because of having an, a, an older brother that also enjoyed the Jaws series and horror movies on the whole, I remember him say, coming back after seeing this in theaters and going, oh man, I don't, I don't, the Jaws series is dead. 
And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, 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 no. This is just lunacy at its best. And, <laughs> and so it it was probably some point in the in the early to mid '90s, um, probably either a rental with a friend or USA Up All Night or yeah, any yeah. of those shows. It just would have been maybe even the Sci Fi Channel when that first started. Um, but it didn't make a lasting impact because it's it's the it's the joke one in the series um that that like when i'm conversing with jaws they they laugh at jaws 3 but they're like i'm never gonna watch like how dave dr shockbacker is i'm never gonna watch jaws the revenge and yet i know people that they're like oh man it's an annual visit for me i love that thing it's it's, wow it's, it's crappy but it's so so much fun (laughs) <laughs> oh so, man and we'll get and we'll get into it we'll talk about yeah, it yeah we'll get into um, it it's it's oh. gonna be the low note for me if, if i'm <laughs> predicting the the future but it's not it's not awful <laughs> okay we may disagree there jackson what about you what do you what did when did you first see jaws the revenge it's been a hot minute uh i think i may have watched this like if chris stuckman did a hilarious review on it or something some somewhere around that time i feel like he probably did um but it's been a few years and um i this time around i went into this movie with the attitude of how bad can it really be like there's no way it's as bad as people say it is and like no it's not it's not the worst thing in the world but man like even with my low expectations it's it's still pretty rough like i don't i don't even know how a hollywood movie can feel this amateurish like it looks okay but the acting, writing, and ADR is so awful that I found myself like actually physically cringing while watching it at certain points. Like it's, it's, it's just how? How did this happen? How did they agree to get original cast members back? Like we even get like background characters, you know, from the first Jaws yeah. movie, and obviously Polly we get Alan returning. And, yeah. I don't know how they signed on to this, first of all, and money. Like, obviously money is the answer, but why? They could get it anywhere else. Like, honestly, you could dumpster dive, you know what I mean, and sell stuff to the pawn Uh. shop for a better legacy than this. But, uh, you know, I do have some kind things to say about it. I'm, you know, I'm with Greg, I think, a little bit. I don't think everything about this movie is awful. I think there are some things to praise, even if they're unintentionally good, uh, which might sound uh, a little weird, but I'll explain later. But yeah, it had been a while, so this is like a fresh watch for me. And it was, I was yelling at the screen. It was certainly an experience. I think I saw this on cable at some point, probably late at night when I had nothing else to do. I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. I don't understand why it just couldn't be another shark movie. I don't know why the revenge motif and the psychic connection between the shark and Ellen Brody. Look, I think this thing is a turd. It's a big stinking zero on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) I, I hate this thing. All right. Convince me why I shouldn't abhor it. I mean, I, 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 I know both of you guys aren't championing it. It doesn't sound like, but Greg, what's what's redeeming about Jaws: The Revenge? It's it's personal. This time, <laughs> it's personal. And 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 bringing and bringing her back. You know, it's just great. <laughs> Ellen Brody and 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 the boys, they're just like, ugh. It, well, it's and almost speaking over of the, the top. boys, 
isn't that the last time we saw the elder Brody? He was like an engineer, and now he's a <laughs> no, he's marine a, biologist. Exactly. He he obviously can pay off those student debt real quick. Um, because yeah, I don't I don't know how he's how he's living his life so so luxuriously, and he's in the Bahamas with Mario Van Peebles. And Ooh, is there any reason to give Mario Van Peebles a Jamaican accent? No. And that bad hair? <laughs> Could he not just be Mario Van so Peebles as a PhD student? Could he not just be Mario Van Peebles as a PhD student? Why does he uh, have to do the accent? I don't, Why? I don't, I don't know. To add flavor. How about that? We'll, oh we'll just say that it was to add a little Jamaican jerk flavor. Oh. So, I mean, it's... It, would this count as a Christmas movie? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I mean, they they have more than one Christmas song in it. It right. takes place during Christmas. Right. You see Christmas lights, Christmas shopping. So a Brody kid gets his arm, you know, bitten off at yeah, Christmas Eve. So yeah. yeah, I I don't I don't know. It it wasn't as bad as what I remembered it as, and I think it's because of hearing all the early. Um, critique as as a younger viewer it's not i'm not heralding it at all this is not something that i would encourage anybody to go and see unless if they like those mst3k movies because that's 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 where the fun is with this movie if i can even say fun it's just you know you can do it sober, but if you have to have some drinks or something else, <laughs> go for it. Get your it friends, put this in, and and it, you're gonna laugh till you turn purple in the face because it's just that I, much. Fun I to may watch. or may not halfway through this last night may have splashed a little vodka at my cranberry juice. I, anyway, <laughs> yeah, and that's to dull the pain. But it's <laughs> yeah, it's just, exactly. It's you know we get we get. Uh, I don't. I don't have much to say. That's that. That's uh, great. It's just that it's it's just it's 1987, and they were trying to reinvent the wheel. It felt like, and so to bring back some characters, is this what they're doing now with movies uh, that they did back in 1987? Bring back some original characters and then give it a, a spin. I don't know. I'm just reaching, but that's kind of what it felt like. But they're just doing better with Halloween kills and Halloween ends. And I, I will give Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I will give credit because, you know, I I, I like Michael Caine and everything. I think that Lance Guest was an underused actor in the 80s and 90s. And I haven't I didn't see him for decades until late phases, which is, I think, an underrated werewolf movie. But other than that, all right, Jackson, tell me. What are the positives you saw here? Uh, first of all, I want to say good catch, Greg, with like the uh, the reboot type thing going on yeah, now. They, did, yeah. they were, I mean, Jaws the Revenge is not even called Jaws 4. It's called Jaws the Revenge, which is very Halloween kills, right? Yeah. That's, that's like right. a, that's, that's a good catch. So first of all, I you know, okay, I think it starts out kind of cool with the spooky opening credit sequence. It, I know this is kind of out of necessity, but it was a neat idea to start the story at Christmas at yeah. night that definitely sets it apart makes it feel different but then they they go to the bahamas so it pretty much looks the same as the last movie with that super blue water right um but uh i mean just 
let me be it's negative super first. Super blue water that looks like it's five feet deep, by the way. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, um, that's that's fair. Um, but uh, yeah, you never get that deep ocean feel no. uh, like you did you did in the previous ones. But um, yeah, I mean, just like from the first scene, the acting and writing is so awful. Like just right from the beginning, it's like almost to the room level. Like I know, I know that Ellen Brody, that uh, that Lorraine Gary could can act. Yes. she's a good actor. She's great in the first two movies. But her acting in this film is almost intolerable. Like, it's almost unwatchable. She Especially was just... when she's paired with somebody like Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Michael Caine's only putting in, like, 3% effort here, but he's still really outclassing everyone else. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's that classic quote, and Dad, you could probably do it better than me, about the the payout from, from Jaws yeah. Revenge from Michael Caine. Michael Caine made the statement that when somebody asked him about Jaws the Revenge, he said, I've never seen it. I understand it's horrible, but I've seen the beach house it bought, and that's very nice. <laughs> Which is classic. That's a fantastic yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But he, you know, he's not terrible in the movie. He's, he's definitely yeah. crying a little bit. I'm, I'm he's still li- he's only... a likable character, I think. Yeah, I like Hoagie. I mean, Hoagie and even Jake to a certain extent, Mario Van Peebles. Oh, with that accent. horrible accent. But even to a certain extent, I kind of like him and and uh, Michael to a certain extent. Um, so, I mean, it's not they're not it's it's it, it's at least more visually interesting. Like the climax is more visually interesting than the last movie. Um, and the baffling choices this movie makes, I think, think are really entertaining. Like the psychic connection between Ellen Brody and the shark is like Carrie and and uh, and uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. It's just it is really weird. But I think it's the fact weird. that it's so so different. It's not set in the U.S. It's you know it's, it's in the Bahamas. It's weird psychic connection with this this vengeful shark, which gets impaled by the boat and. Kind of, I think maybe like, like there's an ultrasonic like they're they're I don't even know what they're doing with that whole. What I could not with that follow was. that at all. No. But I mean, we get the hilarious shark scene with with Sean Brody in the beginning, where instead of driving the boat away, he just screams from the shore, uh, and he's like clutching at a fake stump. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. I I just think I just think it's really funny. Like, and then Ellen Brody. They're like, you should come away with us to the to the Bahamas. You should come with us, Grandma. And she's like, yes. She like screams yes at them. It's a very odd delivery. And then she's crying on the boat. It's I I think it's really funny. I just think it's really funny. She's having flashbacks to Sean being killed, even though she wasn't there to see Sean killed. So well, I'm she has flashbacks about her husband killing the first shark. She True. wasn't there either. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I'm wondering, is she is the is the shark transmitting those memories to her psychically? Is that is that what's happening? I'm very confused. And what does this shark have to do with the original? We've seen every shark from the previous movies get blown up. Who is the shark? Is he their cousin? Is it like cousin Bruce the Fifth? Uh, you know what I mean? Like who is he? Why does he care? And how can he psychically uh, you know, tell Ellen Brody all these things? The thing is I think all that is super funny. And if this had just been another like generic shark movie without these weird choices where everybody's kind of phoning it in, we get a plain water landing. It's set in the Bahamas. Psychic vengeful shark, like I said, who gets stabbed by the boat in a weird cut. 
um, because I know there was an alternate version of the end of this movie, apparently. Um, so the end feels a little like they're trying to maybe keep it PG-13. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's an odd movie. It is. It is honestly just as bad as some people say it is it's not the worst movie ever i compared it to the room but it's not quite to that level i mean it has a little bit more production value than the room um but man it is it is the roaring shark movie so i I, exactly and i i'm sorry again to go back to this but just to say mario van peebles is a decent actor I mean, I'm not saying he's Denzel Washington. I'm not saying he's Meryl Streep. I'm not saying that, you know, he's at that level. But he's a decent actor. Why not just let him be him? Why does he have to be some caricature? Because they're not even in Jamaica, right? (laughs) No, they're in the Bahamas. At least that's where they shot it. Right. Which is, so it's a very odd choice. I think they do say the Bahamas, too. I think Michael says the, it's the Bahamas to to Ellen. So it is a really odd choice to have him be a, a Jamaican conch marine biologist. But whatever. <laughs> it's it's a charming part of this movie. It's really weird. And without these baffling choices, just like with the last one, it would be so much more boring. I think the biggest problem with a lot of these shark movies, these straight-to-DVD shark movies, which some people love, I just absolutely hate because there's so many just ones that are exactly the same because they look ridiculous from the from the uh, from the box art and the title of the movie. It's like shark of the corn, you know, that kind of thing. But the actual movie is so boring. It's just cut and dry shark POV killing people we don't care about. When you add in these baffling elements, like a psychic connection between an older character from the, these classier movies and the shark and these, this Jamaican conch marine biologist and Michael Caine is there flying. A, he's a laundry pilot. It's just all these really <laughs> weird things make the movie memorable, uh, which is such a weird exchange, by the way. Can we talk about that? He's like, what do you do most of the time? I'm a laundry pilot. And then that's like a joke. Like they, they like hold on that for a while to <laughs> insert yeah. audience laughter here. It's just a very odd thing, but I love that. It's so funny. Like these past two movies, the best parts are when they're unintentionally funny. And there's a lot of that. I mean, granted, there's a lot of boring parts, um, but I mean, it, 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 did we really need the whole Lance guest jealous of Hoagie because he's replacing us? I mean, Greg, did we need any of that? No, no. And and what's funny is they actually cut some scenes that <clears throat> played into that, Ugh. that like because they supposedly they did film a scene where he is smuggling drugs and stuff. So it does play out to his um, his paranoia that Hoagie is this drug runner just trying to take advantage of his mom. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't needed. You know, just let her let her be. It was like you guys say, there's just this imbalance between the characters and their dynamics. I mean, one minute Ellen is just get out of the water, get away from the water. And then like, you know, you're surrounded by water and water's everywhere, even more so than in the, in the island. So it's kind of like, well, what kind of a character are you trying to d- display to the audience here? Because no, you, you go... can't have the best of both worlds here. No, if you're terrified of sharks in the water, you go to Montana, right? I mean, you don't yeah, go you, to... <laughs> don't go to the Bahamas. No, I just... <laughs> and then when the shark shows up, it's supposedly... You know, to follow up on what you said, Jackson, it's out for revenge. We don't know why. 
And but then it's like we have this gratuitous scene where it attacks the banana ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it attacks like and it kills like the adult instead of the Brody child. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Maybe it's to scare uh, the, the little kid. Uh, I don't know what the point was. If it's attracted to Brody blood, this blood debt. Yeah, I don't understand it. But it's, it's little things like that, little memorable scenes that, that make me not love this movie, but have a certain ironic fondness for it, which is the best way I think you can describe this movie. It's not a good movie. It's not the worst movie in the world, but I have an uh, ironic fondness for it. I, 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 I think you know well of the movie and that it's a terrible movie that's really fun but you know i wouldn't watch it every day you know what i mean it's it's not like uh, the room and that every scene is fun, so bad it's good because there are lots of those you're talking about like like uh michael spying on hoagie like we really didn't need this because they're all no. chums by the end right like this is so right. unnecessary um but uh yeah it's it's just there are those standout scenes which make for good youtube videos i guess is what i'm saying so that's, uh, that's the best way to enjoy this movie i i i mean i don't understand why hoagie crashes his plane i don't understand how hoagie survived i don't understand how mario van people survived can anybody explain yeah that to he was totally in the jaws of the shark. And, and yeah, and Hoagie was like, how'd you, they were like, how do you escape Hoagie? And he's like, it wasn't easy. Let me tell you. And I'm like thinking, did he teleport? Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. This shark is like for a shark that can track a family from new England to the Bahamas. It, it suddenly becomes a really stupid shark. I mean, it's just, it, I, I don't know. This movie is just a mess. It, it's a mess. I'm I'm sorry, people out there. I know there's somebody out there listening. It's like I love Jaws: The Revenge. I'm sorry. Look, you know, don't judge me. I own Nailgun Massacre, okay, on Blu-ray. But I'm just saying this movie is a complete and utter mess. This is not a guilty pleasure. This is just a piece of crap, in my opinion. Greg, tell yeah, me why um, I'm wrong. No, I I just feel like I'm just going in alignment. I don't think you're wrong, but it's it's for those that can endure. I think Jackson's right that it's just it's just that kind of a feeling like where the room is in, in that place where they're making a movie and they're giving it an effort, but it just none of it plays out. None of it none of it is cohesive. It's just not going hot mess hot garbage whatever oh. term you want to use that's that's where jaws the revenge versus something like jaws 3d it's right they're just it's just two different two complete different styles of movie where you can find a lot of entertainment with jaws 3d this one it's just like i say you're gonna need to be in that mindset with friends to endure this movie because and and a lot of liquor yeah um, and a lot of liquor yeah you know, I haven't seen this thing in more than 30 years. If God gives me another 30, I won't waste it watching this <laughs> abomination again. Um, Jackson, what other notes do you have? What else do you want to talk about? What You found some positives in this. I will agree with you. Michael Caine is great, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it looks kind of good. But uh, other than that, I don't know. And I mean, and yeah. the whole thing with, by the way, did I miss something? How did they blow up the shark this time? Yeah, I don't know. I, it has something to do with that weird, like, flashing light thing that... 
okay. I thought that was just a heartbeat monitor. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Maybe it like overloads its heart to the point where it explodes, and you also get stabbed, and that like sets it uh, off. Uh-huh. I don't know. Again, like I said, I think they ha- had planned in a, a different ending and then cut around it because you can definitely tell that very end. Like, like uh, you know, there's the shot of Brody. And uh, from the original, he's like, smile, you son of a... And then it cuts to modern, like, the the, the Jaws 4 and, like, acts like she did something, like Alan did something, when all she's doing is standing on the boat. Like, she didn't pull the trigger. She's just standing there, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand what, what her role was. Maybe she was turning the boat to stab it. I don't know. But um, it is that is a weird ending. I will say, okay, I make a pros and cons list for every movie. I would say you touched on one of my pros. The movie is competently shot, I think. It's weirdly edited, but it's competently shot. I think there's some cool filming locations, like Amity in the winter at the beginning, uh, yep. in the Bahamas, like the, the beach houses on the beach shacks on the Bahamas. That That's really cool. The shark actually usually looks pretty okay. I think the shark, like, looks you know, better than, than you would expect in this movie. And I think the mostly borrowed score, like it is mostly borrowed, but it's at least competent. It scores the scene well enough. I will say cons. Okay. And there are a lot of them. The acting writing is awful. Like we said, the ADR is so distracting. And so is the editing with those like sepia tone flashbacks to stuff that Ellen wasn't even there for. Like we even get the, the flashback of, like when she's at the funeral of Sean, you know, making faces at Brody in the first one. And she walked in at the very, very end of that exchange. Yeah. Like in the first. So she wasn't even there for that. And the shark is not telepathically beaming that to her. So I don't even know how that works. But the plot in this movie is so bad. I'm surprised the movie was even made. But I'm I'm glad it was because we have this really weird like uh wicker man the room type movie to to laugh about and and just like those movies there are some like boring parts where it's just bad it's not so bad it's good but i think overall this movie will be remembered that way this is a so bad it's good really weird movie like hey remember that one time in 1987 where they decided to make a revenge seeking shark and the widow ellen brody is gonna stab it with a boat so I, i i think there's some merit to it it's it's funny, and that's really all I have to say about it. Greg, anything else you have to say about Jaws the Revenge before we rate this thing? Oh, just a, a few minor things. Obviously, we've discussed Michael Caine, and he's notorious for having these movies, whether it be <laughs> The Hand or right. this one. Um, he's been asked, what What are your thoughts on Jaws the Revenge? And I said, I got a beautiful house out of the deal. Right. So he phoned it in. And even with him phoning it in, which watching it this time, I was making sure that I was watching everything that I possibly could with him. The dude's amazing. I mean, golly, it's like he's he is uh, leaps and bounds above, obviously, the, the Jamaican accent, which is probably the low point. If I had to pick one of the actors, sorry, you know, sorry, Mario, but you just. Man, that was a bad oh. a bad choice. Uh, yeah. Or try harder. I don't know, but yeah. um, you do have his dad. His dad made an appearance. I did want to make note of that. Melvin Van Peebles, oh, the famed director I, I, of. I, yep, he was that that the mayor or however you wanted to call it, the governor of mm-hmm. the island. He gave that speech, um, which is again makes doesn't really add or take away from the story. It was probably just, hey, we want to get 
Melvin Van Peebles give him a vacation in the Bahamas. Right. Let's get him in the movie. Um, so, you know, watch one of his other movies, like the, yes. the Sweet Sweet Bags Badass. Yes, that's a that's a good one. But yes. I just it's 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 a it's it's a movie, and it it completed the the full circle of being a movie as a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, and. Uh, sadly, this was the end of the franchise. So it, it definitely is on that uh, uh, diminishing returns sequel. So yes. it's not any it's not any better than its predecessor. So Jackson, Greg sounds very close to when you review a bad movie on Letterboxd. This is a movie that exists. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting to. <laughs> what about you? What else do you want to say about Jaws the Revenge before we rate it? I don't have anything. I'm I I I can give you more of my pros and cons, but I think I've pretty much covered it. I would just be kicking okay. this this dead shark, but <laughs> I can give my well, rating. Give us your rating. Tell us what you're rating this thing. Uh all right. I'm gonna go two point five uh out of ten. Listen, that's a 70%, over a 70% decrease in quality between Jaws and Jaws yeah. 4, at least. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, it's baffling that we got to this point. But, uh, but man, just to be able to say that there's a Jaws movie that I would rate 2.5 out of 10 is so funny. Because, like, not even any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies or Friday the 13th movies get to that for me. So just this, this real illustrious franchise of Jaws it sinking to this depth of depravity of hilarious depravity is just it gives me joy it gives me a little bit of joy like no matter how uh, above uh you know beasts we think we are we were yeah. able to screw up the jaws franchise so there's still a little bit of like <laughs> we still got some evolving to do yeah yeah greg what do you rate this thing just surprisingly i'm higher than jackson this time what um, but yeah, I'm I'm at a three. Uh, it's not much higher, but it's it's the diminishing returns. It just doesn't. It goes down two more points from the last rating, and and yeah, I I mean I still can find some some entertaining value. Three out of ten is not great. No, but, it's not great. But Michael Caine, he gets yeah. a point. Um, the shark does look interesting at some points where yeah. it's like they did a step above with with some of the things so that takes a good point and you know golly there's just there is some good scenes being shot like you said jackson there was some competency there was a lot of incompetency too yes. a lot more but there was also some competency of of well-placed cameras and shots and and too bad it it didn't have a good story and, and other things to tie tie it together. So I am right there around you, uh, the two of you. I am. I locked myself in uh, originally last night. I wrote down a two, but then I started thinking about today before we went on. I thought, oh well, like Jackson said, you know, it's it's got some decent shots. Like you both said, Michael Caine is good. So I came in at a three out of ten. That's still an avoid. It's still a bad movie, but three out of ten for me. 
So we're all, I guess, around that same area. I, Folks, we want to thank our Patreon supporters, and you can become one for as little as $2.50 a month over at patreon.com. And all proceeds go to Helping the Sun Jackson get through film school. And you can find more over at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com and our Twitter feed, at fathersonhorror, and we have a closed Facebook group. Greg, where can folks find you online, buddy? Oh, they can find me anywhere. I'm everywhere. Just if you if you do a little searching, you'll find me. I'm on um, Facebook, and you know it's always fun to talk about any movies on Facebook and within the groups that I'm there. And um, Twitter, it's QUA419. Uh, I, I do a lot of minor movie reviews there and i'm talking like minor but i'll put my two cents in for votes and stuff like that and try to try to spread the positivity is where i'm at and good deal but uh just a few if i can just a, a few minor comments about the series if that's okay absolutely please absolutely um so I I wrote it down quick because I want to, you know, I know that people that are fans, they were probably shouting at their radios, and I don't want to not say his name, but Richard Keel was Jaws for the James Bond series. Yes. So, and he was in honor of the movie from 1975. So there is a correlation, and it's just tongue-in-cheek, name him Jaws, metal teeth, and the dude's a monster, and he was awesome. Yes. Um, and another side note from the series, you have Cruel Jaws from 1995, <laughs> which, you know, when I was looking up the series, there was a lot of, hey, don't forget about Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws. And I'm like, no, there's no Jaws 5. <laughs> but I did endure even a worse movie than... <laughs> oh, Wow. Then Jaws the Revenge, and that's Cruel Jaws from 1995. And if anything, it's just worth viewing, I guess, one time or even just like put it in the background and wait till these things happen because it does directly rip off the series, the Jaws series. And it actually has snippets of movies from the other Jaws. And I'm talking like Blink and You'll Miss Them, but they're in there. And there's even a, a moment of music score that sounds like star wars it's really weird but the weirdest thing the most trippiest thing and the most entertaining thing is the actor his name is richard dew and he plays a character called deg Sorensen. the dude was in hawk hogan look-alike wow. and he legit was and throughout this whole movie you swear that you're looking at a, a much smaller version, but it he looks just like Hulk Hogan's like morphed brother, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> like his morphed clone or something, an un, unformed clone of. But it, it's it, it's the Scream Factory who tried to get it released and they couldn't because of all the lawsuits against it right. um, with, with the unauthorized use of the Jaws franchise, but. Somehow, Severin Films did manage to get a release in 2020. Oh, wow. For Cruel Jaws. Um, do I tell you to seek it out? No. But <laughs> if you've already watched the entire Jaws series and you enjoy a lot of the shark movies, 
this one is not as bad as some of the shark movies out there. And I know if Ashley and Raul are listening, Sharks of the Corn is bottom of the barrel. There's <laughs> nothing worse than that movie, and I'll keep saying it because that's just hot garbage times a million. So, but that's all I got for the series. Well, buddy, and thanks, yeah, I, and thanks for letting me come on. It was it was great. Oh, you know? of course, anytime. We love having you on. But yeah, I haven't seen Sharks of the Corn. We do want to give a shout out because Ashley right now is at Joe Bob's uh, Drive-In Jamboree as we record this, where Jax and I were last year. So Ashley, looks like you're having a great time. But we could have warned you, it's hot, isn't it, Jackson? It sure is, and it sounds like they haven't worse this. I mean, in Memphis, it's like 120 degrees or something, so yeah. maybe not quite as humid, but certainly hotter. So I don't know how they're doing it, but and Joe Bob, of course, is out there, full sleeve shirt, full jeans, yes. bolo tie, no yes. matter what, he's dressing the part. So uh, yeah. I mean, it would be pretty funny to see him and walk up there and and uh, some Nike shorts or something, but. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really jealous because they got like a they got all the celebrities there dancing yeah. on stage and yep. and an Elvis impersonator. It's like man, we missed out. They got it. They really got it together this year. Yeah, they did. They did. But uh, where can people find you online, buddy? Well, first of all, I want to say uh, you can if you want to hear us talk about you know Jaws, the, the actual movie. We did an episode with Greg, like it was our like third episode or something, like Sounds three like years that. ago. Yeah. Um, but also another Steven Spielberg property. We did Duel together. We did yep. Silver Bullet. We did a ton of things. He's been on our, our Oscar episodes. Always great. Um, yep. So yeah, check those out. Definitely, those are uh, some of the best, especially the dual one. I remember really liking dual. I can't even remember what our Jaws episode was like. Uh, it probably sounded like crap because I remember we were recording under a blanket in your living room, Dad. Yes, we were trying yes. to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you can go back and check that out if you want to see how far we've come, or maybe not. Maybe we haven't progressed as much <laughs> as I think we have. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero Twelve. I'll probably tweet out a, uh, a fun Jaws GIF when we announced the release of this episode so follow me for that um but uh yeah you can find my letterboxd and youtube on there um so yeah i, I can't i can't uh i can't guarantee i'll be releasing a review of cruel jaws on letterboxd but you never know because that whole coke and impersonator has got me curious but anyways um yeah i don't know jaws five i'm gonna consider it canon there you go i can be found on twitter and letterboxd at, at pastor matt r Greg, thanks again, buddy. You're always great. Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Well, goodbye, and remember, you're never safe from sharks, whether you're asleep and dreaming, taking a vacation at SeaWorld, or even as barely Ashley would point out, in a cornfield, you've always got to watch your back. You're never <laughs> safe. It's like, I mean, he in Jaws Revenge, he's like uh, Freddy Krueger. He's attacking Ellen in her dreams. Exactly, exactly. Until next time, folks. One, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. And remember, the family that watches horror together slays together. Once again, I want to thank our patrons, Amy Swan, Ashley Pinkard, Billy D, Brian Scott, Chad Stice, Dan George, David Becker, Greg Bench, Greg Russell, Ian Urza, Ian West, Joel Robertson, Kevin Corpy, Nicholas Stumpf, Pearl Morgan, and Greg too, Ryan Bratton, Stefan Sitter, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you guys so much. You make this podcast possible. And one more special shout out this week or this month or this episode, you know, whenever we're kind of on a whenever basis. 
Um, but it uh, <laughs> goes out to the True Tales of Terror podcast, uh, who just released their first episode last week. The host, Chad, has a fantastic spooky story voice. He's nailed the production side of the podcast already. Like, I love the theme music. Uh, so check them out on Apple Podcasts. They didn't ask me to do the shout-out. I just think it's, it's a cool podcast. Um, and I hope you enjoyed episode 103 of this podcast, and also hope you enjoy this clip of Steven Spielberg not getting nominated for special effects for the 1976 Oscars. Best picture, best editing, best score, and sound. That's it. That's screenplay? Nothing. Not even special effects. Not even special effects. Oh. This is called commercial backlash. I don't know if anybody knows the word commercial backlash, but when a film makes a lot of money, people